Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Uh, we're an official show now because we have an international team. This is our first non-Canadian guest. Uh, thanks to some messaging from Grant O'Gorman, we, we made some connections here. So we're here with Estonia, and this is going to be a good episode because there's such a strong Estonian culture uh, in the volleyball community. We have the Sora family, we have the Poldmas, and I believe the Valleys family was cheering you guys on here at Edmonton. So uh, I'd like to welcome to the show uh, the team of uh, Tiser and Novak. Welcome, guys. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. What was it like your first time playing in Canada? Oh, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah, we. It's always nice when you start winning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't had a like bad uh, bike tournament when, <laughs> where I win some matches. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Canadians, they're like super friendly. Help with everything. That's that's always like uh, so good extra and so nice. Feel feel very welcome and warm. And of course, especially the Ayla's family. They yeah, were cheering for us all week. Yeah, that was so cool. Estonian flag and everything. And the cheers <laughs> yeah, in and every match, there was Estonian flag. Yeah. Oh, nice. They, they were following around. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so we should mention, you guys took a fifth place finish, which I believe at a three-star match is your personal best. Um, yep, exactly. So what kind of prep went into this tournament, or how do you think you accomplished that result? Oh, I would say it's like long work in a way that the season is very long. You prepare for the season, not for the one tournament. And I think every season we have just got more experience, get like better understanding what the beach volleyball game actually is and, and how to play it. Yeah, we, we never really like focus on one tournament. Like it's it's you, you never know what kind of tournament you like. Uh, you like you get many games, or, or you get like uh, like you get one game. So it's like. Um, uh, so what, what did I want to say here? <laughs> <laughs> that maybe that for physical that you're not you, you don't need to say yourself that I'm gonna play for a full week now because you never know you yeah. might play just one match in qualifications and then you then you're done so so it's hard to prepare yeah that's true we've talked to some Canadian teams about that do you guys feel like you have a different mindset if you're in the qualifier versus in the main draw is there just a little bit extra pressure of, of traveling to an international tournament maybe playing one match does that change your prep a little bit? We would like to like <laughs> treat it the same, yeah. but but it is it is somehow different because uh, it is it is a bit bit more pressure, bit more pressure. The loss is always bigger when you like go, of course, all the cost, and then you have to play just one match. For example, if you lose in the first round in qualis, you get no prize money, no no accommodation or anything, and also the point loss can be like uh, big loss, yeah. for the entry ranking. So. So the pressure is there, kind of goes yeah. so wrong when you're in the main draw already. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. I didn't realize there were so many layers to it. Um, when you unfortunately do lose in a qualifier, are you the type of team that stays at a tournament and finds a way to train, or do you guys leave right away? Like, what do most teams do on tour, do you think? It, de it depends for us, too. Sometimes we stay, sometimes we go. It's like, uh, it depends how far is it from Estonia. Like, uh, and... Because here in Canada, okay, we, we were in main draw too. We bought the tickets like day after the finals. But uh, in Europe, we usually so we have this uh, cooperation with a travel agency in, in Estonia, so we can like postpone our tickets. Oh, very nice. Yeah, like uh, that helps a lot. It, it costs some money, and it depends on what kind of seats are available. So uh, it's quite expensive still, but. In a way, it depends. There's also many layers, I think, because usually, and 
in the main road, first two or three days, there's not so much opportunity to practice even. The courts are full, matches are on. And, and if, if there is somewhere else to go, for example, if you're on two or three different stops, then of course we stay until the end. Now, when you guys were looking at your, your schedule for the season, um, why would you say choose to come to Edmonton at three star instead of maybe staying in Europe and going to Portugal to four star? Like, what goes into a pro player's decision making when tournaments overlap like that? Mm -hmm. We were about to start in qualifications in Espino. We would have been maybe second or third seed, so still like good chance to good chance to advance. But we have didn't have too many tournaments in June and July, so so we felt it's better to get like more matches straight in main draw and yeah. get it for like maybe boost the confidence a bit if, if they get if they get some wins and, and I think that's what it did. Yeah, because we have we were gonna play five stars. We did play in Stad, then we're gonna play in Vienna and possibly Rome too, so we have quite a lot of qualifiers. So it was like uh, to optimize the risk a bit because if you lose like uh, first round in qualies and like many tournaments in a row so you, you go down in ranking yeah, so that's what we did. Could lose like ninety percent of your points. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on the schedule overall? That there's uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's three five star tournaments this year, and then a bunch of four stars, and you guys have played some three stars. Um, mm -hmm. Does that go into your planning as well? That you you really focus on building in the five stars into your schedule, or how do you guys kind of view the schedule as a whole? Because it, it starts so early with the Hague four star in January, and it goes. You can play till November, I think, this year with yeah. the Mexico four star, mm -hmm. right? So. How do you guys like to plan your time and, and kind of pick which which events you're going to? And like you said, maybe the, being in the qualifier, the main draw influences the decision. Or what else do you guys like to think about? Your travel costs. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, and uh, it depends. Like, um, how well do we do in the previous tournaments? Because if we start with the three stars and we start we keep like uh, start winning, we get like a fifth place and a, and a ninth one. Then we uh, like. We want to get on maybe like the higher tournaments, so we'll go on to the five stars. It's actually quite, uh, I don't know, for me it's quite uh, funny this optimization that goes on, yeah. because there's so many tournaments, actually, like I don't know, 11 four, four, uh, four stars this year, yeah. and like not every team goes to all of them. So a little bit to check guys, like where are you going, where are you going, because yeah, we are yeah, on, yeah. The, on, the on the line there, that maybe sometimes we got get even main draw to four star, we have been, like straight. So. So yeah, that's this uh, optimizing. But yeah, five stars. There's so much points that if to play quali qualification, then the level is almost the same for four star and five star. Yeah. Players are all the same, but the point gain is so much better. So rather we play qualifications in five star. Right, because if you win a first round qualifier to five star, sometimes that's a big boost in points, right? Like that. Could yeah, well, it's not like it's not a boost in points, but it's already like doesn't take away. But right. Say, yeah. Second round in qualies and five star is same as advancing from pool here and losing in first round. Right. Right. So it's still not like so much points. Yeah. You're, you're right though. It could be worth the risk to go to that and, and maybe stay neutral or level yeah, on your points. Exactly. Right. Um, thanks to Dallas who, who prepared me for some notes for this episode. It looks like you guys have played uh, around or over thirty tournaments together. Um, but what I'm learning about Estonia is it sounds like everyone plays indoor volleyball first. Is that true? And and if so, what age did you guys start playing volleyball? That is true. Indoor is, uh, is a lot bigger than beach because we don't even have like a beach beach volleyball system. But uh, I started. My mom's a volleyball coach, so I started pretty early. 
but in fact I wasn't too into volleyball at first. I did all kinds of athletics and football and swimming and tennis and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. But uh, volleyball, maybe I was like thirteen. Yeah, so not too early. You started even later, right? That's really weird because now when I hear your story, my story is identical. Yeah. <laughs> because my mom is also also like a physical education teacher. <laughs> so, so that's weird. So it's it's my story as well. Wow, very cool. And what is the system? So in Canada typically people start volleyball through like a school system. They might start in like a, a phys ed class and they might play for the school team and then they, they go on to play like at a rep level, like teams outside of school. Um, are you guys through the school base or is it through clubs or or how serious does volleyball get and around how young do you start going to competitions? Uh, it's mostly through clubs because in schools we don't like in my school we didn't have like, like uh, yeah no no there is no this kind of school system yeah. only clubs even for even even for youngsters there's clubs so oh, okay. yeah. so there's like let's say under fourteen years old year old and yeah, but yeah. but you still it's it's a club team it's not a school team yeah but but that's how it events yeah you go to club you start playing like quite early you can start playing. Or like tournaments. Yeah, maybe it's, it's even under, under, under 12, 12 even. Can, like, yeah, competitions maybe. like some yeah. some different rules maybe, but yeah, there is. And then there is pro league, which which helps a lot. Yep. Uh, like yeah. I was last year in high school when I got to pro league uh, team. Yep. And then also yeah. throughout the university, played in pro league in indoor in Estonia. Yeah. yeah, we played together for how many years? Four years. Four years. Four years. Yeah. Indoor too. Wow. So you, you were technically a professional athlete while still in, in high school playing volleyball in, in the pro league, right? Yeah. 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 And how many how many teams would be in the Estonian like professional league? And is there a foreigner rule? Like how many people, like most leagues have two or three spots? Or what would your league be like? There is no foreigner rule uh, in Estonia. But uh, how many teams? Six or something? It's like actually Baltic league. So it's together with Latvia. Oh, I see. Yeah, like five to six teams from Estonia. Four teams from Latvia, usually yeah. something like this. Yeah. Ten to twelve teams. And would you have foreigners on your team, or is it mostly Latvians and uh, people from Australia? It was foreigners actually. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the league takes every every team wants to have like some decent foreigners. And yeah. The, the level is quite okay actually. Good. We had an Estonian Canadian in our team. Oh really? Do you remember yeah. the yeah. name? Sander Ratzet. Yeah. Greetings to Sander. Sander Ratzet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> From London, Ontario, and played at Dalhousie University. Yeah, that, that's great. I didn't know that. So yeah, another great Estonian family who loves volleyball yeah. in Canada. Here. There's so many. It seems like if you're Estonian, you like volleyball. <laughs> it is our national sport right now. Like almost. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah your your indoor teams are doing well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what made you guys switch to the beach game then? If, if kind of indoor is what everyone plays, and you were playing at a very high level as soon as high school, right? What kind of made yeah. you try this beach thing? It was funny. It was funny. We were both in. Um, uh, in the national team, uh, the indoor volleyball, and we uh, started. We were together in the same room. We started watching like a lot of beach volleyball videos. <laughs> like uh, I don't know what, what tournaments we were on at that at that time, but but uh, it's um, the game was like more attractive, and uh, and the lifestyle was like more attractive to us. And um, it was the feeling that when you play indoor. Then, uh, like um, the management stuff, uh, does all the thinking and the work like uh, for you. And we were like wanting to do something like else uh, too, rather than just playing volleyball. So it's uh, it's a bit of like um, 
um, like becoming an entrepreneur when you when you start like playing beach in Estonia. <laughs> yeah, in Estonia, there's I think very many pieces like fell together like at the right time, so that made us switch somehow grew a little bit bored indoors. We, of course, we had played beach like during summertime as well and loved the game. But also, like, there was this one team, basic guys, uh, who played beach, like, played in the Olympics. And, and uh, basic uh, was about to retire as well, so there was, like, no no team playing World Tour anymore. So everything like, fell together, like, one day, like, during the national team uh, season, we were, like, yeah. secretly, <laughs> secretly talking to okay. We start playing beach from from uh, September, yeah. and we did. And so that was that was actually quite a quite a story. Yeah. And was there anything that made you kind of hesitate? Because like you talked about, indoor is very organized. They book everything for you. You know yeah. what time the meal is. Where beach, you guys are one hundred percent on your own. You're booking everything. You mentioned you have a travel agent, but it's still you kind of deciding mm. the schedule. Yeah. Was there ever a moment where you're kind of like, oh, I think we made a mistake. Like you didn't. The beach lifestyle wasn't as great as you thought it was, or did it all kind of work out for you guys? It. Um... It did kind of work out, like like surprisingly well. We found like a lot of good uh, companies who uh, who support us now, and uh, we found them, found them quite easily actually. Actually, yeah, we, we did some, we did kind of uh, put in some work, but it was yeah, surprisingly surprisingly. We got lucky, like, yeah. I don't know if lucky, but yes, like surprisingly many people like the idea and the story that of course you know you're actually like you have all doors open indoors but you want to do what's in your heart and then they start supporting us and and like sponsors came behind us and, and they still are and yeah. liking what we're doing and so we have been able to play beach now like as professionals for it's a fourth year already yeah. and what would be your affiliation with the national team obviously they, they support you to travel but does the national team have a training facility that they supply you with a coach or are you completely on your own and you just represent estonia on the world tour and that's that's about as far as it goes like how much structure do they provide for you well we don't have a national team oh, okay so you, you are the <laughs> yeah. national team so we are the national team so we yeah we can call ourselves the national team if you want to. <laughs> so pretty much we do all our uh, all our financing ourselves all our funding and find our own coach figure out how much we can pay him <laughs> and and stuff like this and where we can train where we can yeah. train yeah this, this train all with. happens so who do you sense. train with is there a, another team from Estonia or do you guys have to travel do you maybe train a lot with Latvia because they're close or who what are your options I guess I'm kind of blown away that that you're you're doing so well on the world tour <laughs> where you, your country technically doesn't have a program right yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have a program. Uh, we've been uh, training with all kinds of guys at uh, the first years we were we had training camps in like the the whole winter. We were in Thailand and Australia, and we got like a lot of, uh, a lot of training camps. Right now, in the summer, we have some guys to train with because the indoor guys are uh, at the beach, so it's it's easier. But during the like the winter time, it's not so easy. So we it's like every winter we figure out the plan with the, with the competitions and the, the camps, and the, sometimes we train by ourselves to like some technical stuff and physical stuff and then we combine we figure out it's uh, like uh, every year by year there is plenty to do actually like just two of us with a coach as well so much like details and nuances and stuff in beach volley that can can do plenty of practice like this but also we have Finland quite close two hours with Terry yeah sometimes we take a day trip there that in the morning we 
breakfast in the ferry, have two practices, and then come back. Yeah. Or Latvia, or our drive. Yep. Good teams there. And is your coach currently from Estonia, and do they, they travel with you at all? Or? Uh, yeah, from Estonia. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes the, he comes with us. Yeah. Yeah, this is... This is so funny because in Canada we have a few streams where we have athletes who are independent or some teams have personal coaches or some teams work with uh, the, the federation that supplies like a facility to train with, the strength and conditioning coach, mm-hmm. coaches and, and everything where I think the next time one of them complains, I'm just going to use you guys as an example. <laughs> <laughs> you do everything on your own. Um, you guys, is it true you found your own sponsors then? Like you're totally independent on every layer of everything you do. This year, now was the first year when uh, Federation actually uh, gave us also um, uh, money, oh. but there was pretty much like they also like sponsored us in a way oh. that they didn't put us any strings. They're like, okay, we would like to, we would like to also support you, and of course they have supporting us with uh, with the help and, and and like they're happy that we're doing this. But they haven't had any funds. Everything goes to indoor. But now, yeah, now they gave us a little little part of their budget. Yeah. So with you guys playing at home during PSU games and with your success on the world tour, have you noticed a change? Or is there youth competitions or is there any kids who want to grow up and play beach volleyball because they see you guys as role models? Or is there anything at maybe the grassroots that's going to build up a program in, in Estonia? Definitely. Yeah. I'll say definitely. This year, this year has been awesome already. Like, I don't know, three times more uh, amateur tournaments held in Tallinn. Uh, youngster teams now are not only playing because there's like some youngsters pro, youngsters pro program meaning that uh, they train during summer two months like yeah. like together for some uh, under underage championships yeah. but but then they go back indoor but now there's at least a thought that oh, maybe maybe there is possible to choose maybe it's maybe it's an option yeah so. before like I don't know, a few years ago there were no one was even thinking that it's an it's an option to like start playing only beach volleyball. It was it was, it was all in there. Wow! And we mentioned you guys travel a lot on on the world tour, but is there any domestic competitions you guys can play, or do you play kind of like a continental circuit, or what do you do when you're not traveling on world tour to find matches and meaningful competitions? Yeah, we have played Estonian tour, the Estonian tour, like uh, six or five, uh, yeah. five. Some of this. five stops. Five stops, yeah. Uh, all around Estonia, it's been actually pretty nice. Um, the, the center courts are like at the city centers, which are which are quite nice. Um, we have played. Um, the level is not so good. We played in Latvia. Latvia has like a lot better level. So so these two mostly. Last year we went to Finland also once mm. to play a Finnish national team. Most mostly we have still find found ways to go to World Tour and and play there. Which is, which is funny. I see also right now, a little off, to- little off topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I find right now that whenever there's like one or two star in Europe, the reserve list goes like I don't know. There's always like thirty teams in reserve because like everybody who doesn't have points, they would like to get some games. So it's really hard to get them one or two stars. Yeah. And but it's so much easier to go to four star, for example, because people they don't want to go there, they don't lose points, and and like not so strong teams they don't they don't bother. It's just expensive, and they know they're not going to get on. So, so for us, we had when we started, we had zero points. The only place where we could, could start was like the highest, highest of the tournaments because yeah, there was like the empty, empty spots, <laughs> majors pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a good example, I guess, for our listeners because we're mostly based in Canada. Like, how easy is it for you guys to travel? Like, what would you say 
would be the, the major tournaments that are so popular, like you said, because they're one and two stars, because there's so many teams available. Like, is there all of Europe? You guys would just teams from maybe who aren't considered like pro teams who wouldn't think of going to a four star would sign up for a one or two star. Like, how, how broad is Europe? Or maybe there's people who aren't considered full time, but maybe would sign up for a professional tournament. Like, like you mentioned, that happens a, a lot yeah, on the men and women's side. So, a lot can happen. Yeah. In Europe, the tournaments are full. They're so full, like the one and two stars. If you, if you want to play World Tour, go to China. Yeah, it's, yeah thank you. <laughs> then you can. Get to any tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is the CEV circuit still really strong, or have they, those promoters changed those into one or two stars? Like, is there a lot of tournaments still in the CEV, technically, or? I think it's all, all uh, that's, that's none. So that's actually, that's a little pity for us, because we can't play this uh, risk-free tournament. It's the Continental Tour, it didn't count as this part of this last six tournaments. That will uh, go to the century ranking system. So now there's only FIVB tournaments. So even if you want to play some one or two stars, just just to play like as you could in CEV, then then you cannot play anymore. You could if, if if Estonia hosted yeah. one. Yeah. Well, of course you can play, but there's yeah. there's like no point. Yeah. Right now, if you win a one star, you still lose points. Right, right with the level you guys are at. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that an option? Do you think Estonia would host a, a World Tour event eventually? Like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe someday. Yeah, you're getting there on day. Right. Things is getting more and more, more popular, and yeah. they they also like what we're doing. Well, they just added Latvia to the schedule. Is that correct? So yeah. Latvia yeah. will host a three star. Yeah. Awesome. So friends and family, I assume, will watch that one, and that will be a, yeah, a big hopefully. deal for you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think lots yeah, of the stars coming. Do you know the date for that one? Twenty second, twenty fifth, maybe. August. August. Yeah. August. Great. Yeah, I'm still amazed by this, that you don't have a lot of training opportunities. You mentioned that without CEVs, you don't have a lot of less pressure competitions. So in an ideal world, what do you guys see, I guess, in the next few years that could help with Estonian volleyball? Or is, is training camps the best way you guys can do it? And that's how you find ways of getting better. Like, it's just I'm fascinated by it. it requires so much planning and preparation for you guys just to find a training camp, right? So um is there a base coming up that maybe more indoor players would transfer from Estonia now that you guys have kind of paved the way? Or we tried, uh, are actually. you guys fine with, with the camp model that you're in right now? <laughs> we tried, actually. Uh, this year, we uh, helped uh, two what, uh, indoor guys to like enter into World Tour. Uh, we a little bit financed their travels and, and uh, their like, summer so they could practice with us full time. So we were with them three months, pretty much. But I guess they're both going back indoors still for this year. So so maybe one day it would be really good if there would be a few more teams to practice with us like daily. It would help a lot for sure. But right now it's it's a lot easier than when we started because when we started then we didn't know anyone on the on the world tour. So it was like and and no one not knew us like it's just some two indoor guys coming and we, if we wanted to have like a training camp like. Uh, we didn't even know who to ask, and like no one really wants to train with us. Because <laughs> yeah, when, right now it's easier. Yeah. Also, maybe uh, thank you, uh, Martin Splavins, who first time when we started uh, yeah. playing, we just well we knew him from indoors a bit. Yeah. And and well we knew that he, he was like uh, Olympic bronze and everything, but then we just said, hey, we're starting playing beach. Can we come practice with you? Yeah, please, um, please, please. Yeah. He said, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, they were very inclusive. That's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. So we went to Riga and played. It was actually a funny camp, the first one. I went to Riga, played with them, and there was also Benstan and Moll there, really young. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah and then we were right. there together yeah. starting 
starting beach volleyball yeah. years after like huh, it's the same guy so <laughs> blocking, blocking everybody else yeah it's the same guy <laughs> wow um do you think there could ever be a model where somebody plays professional indoor and then maybe just plays summer on the world tour or are the points too difficult to get or would a, a pro team allow their their athlete to maybe play beach for half the season like is that maybe an option that your, your country could start turning on more beach players if they allow them to do both or is there too much risk involved there it's usually the summers are for the national team. Oh, that's right too. And camps and like the 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 better ones are, are there. Yeah. I think the game is so different that if you just come from indoors, it takes just time. play just play throughout the summer, you don't you don't get there. Maybe somebody does, but it's not so easy. Yeah. At least I have figured that three four years, and now maybe finally I'm starting to feel like okay, I'm. Getting, uh, getting yeah. what what the game is in the beach yeah. because first two years really didn't understand what's going on. But maybe if you start from beach and then you go indoor, maybe it's easier. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. don't have this experience. Do you, do you have an example of what you just talked about there? Like, what what was the biggest change after two years? Was it just experience, or was there some tactics that you finally accepted and adopted, or or I guess what kind of started making you feel more and more comfortable with with your beach game coming from indoor? say like there's so many things starting starting with uh, the handset for example totally different approach approach to the to the attack because i was i was opposite so pretty much i had like coming like four meters running and jumping jumping uh, two meters like in front mm -hmm. to hit it like from the back line but here it's totally different you go slower you jump more up mm -hmm. so even this like physically takes time to adjust and then just the psychological part that you are you are there, and it's you cannot say to the coach that hey, give me substitution, or to the yeah, setter yeah. that hey, don't, don't, don't set, give me, don't, don't set me the match so ball. I don't feel so confident yeah, right now. If you don't feel confident, you're gonna get the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's that's yeah, it's a whole different world. Yeah. Dealing with the weather and the wind and the travels and like And for example, another one, if you if you go like indoor competition, you know that okay, you know week ahead that uh, I have match at this time and I have training at that time. Like, yeah. and and you know also, yeah. you know when you eat. But here, you don't know if for who do you play actually. What time can you practice? We couldn't. Christie's uh, plane uh, got cancelled, so he got here like one day late. Uh, then we couldn't practice because of the lightning. So we had zero zero practices before the tournament here. Yeah. So yeah. and it worked out. So maybe you'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Actually, it was so long. It was so long travels that almost I think five or six days you mm -hmm. didn't you didn't do a practice before the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was that was every time it's so different. You need to adjust so much. Yeah. Good. You you listed some great things for what the difference is for beach and indoor. Is there anything that you would encourage maybe a youth athlete that really wants to play indoor but you think beach could complement their game? Like, is there any skills that go the other way that beach would make them a better indoor player because of you know, these things? <laughs> All the ball control, like, and the, and the body control. I think, like, when you move in the sand, uh, like on soft soft grounds, you need to have so much more balance and core strength and everything to actually be able to put the ball every every time where it needs to go. And all of this transfers to indoor for sure. In beach, you get uh, when you have like a one and a half hour training. I think you get like a hundred times more touches than you do in indoor. 
so it's uh, yeah, so, um, so many players indoor and it's um, the drills are a bit different. So in beach it is uh, it's not. Um, I think it's it would be easier to like uh, get a like a good technical like uh, level. Great, great. Um, one thing our listeners always love is just a, a funny story from the road. So they, they, they love hearing about obviously the volleyball part and then the results and the competition, but is there any story you can share from either traveling or being around some other people on tour that you kind of thought was like a weird situation? Like uh, we've had Canadians who, who misbooked their flights and have had to sleep in an airport maybe, or they, they got stopped at a military stop in Brazil and are being yelled at in Portuguese, like just little things like that. Was there any funny thing that you happen on the road we're kind of like wow is this really professional volleyball like this is what i'm going through right now <laughs> a lot <laughs> <laughs> well, this is good i'm glad we asked this is kind of our our thing people love a good story from the road so, so stuff, right? can i tell this one can i what happened in these tournaments it's not a good story but uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> i don't know it made me laugh so hard so we just won Ilas flugen oh this <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's not so funny. It's a short one. Just on Elas Flügen and uh, Ger Germans, and uh, they were like third seated. We were like ninth seated here, so they were they were favorites there for sure, and they had been playing like really good uh, these last tournaments. And we won them, and we were in the elevator in the hotel with their coach. Their coach came there, congratulated us, and doors closed. We were like totally sealed in this area, and Christy asks sort of some reason. Are you happy? <laughs> and then my coach, and the coach was like, uh, "No, why should I?" And then there was this long awkward silence until we get out from the elevator. Uh, that was hilarious. Good. Uh, do you have any do you have any story you want to share? Uh, something. Um, remember when we were uh, in Australia, and we had um, an experiment was in uh, in Florida, USA. We had a training camp in Australia. Yeah, yeah, a training camp. And we uh, we didn't have a visa for for the United States. Yep, and we wanted to get the visa from Australia, so it wasn't it wasn't very easy. And it was like uh, we had to go to have like a visa interview there, and we finally got the visa like the day before the flight. Like it was, it was like so much confusion and uh, like. Uh, and this this happens a lot. You book a flight, you know that you're going to go to the tournament, and you're like, hmm, do we need a visa there actually? <laughs> and then they just like, okay, you do, and we have like maybe three days to figure this all out, and or maybe go to a different tournament, but you need to give a passport to it, like all these kind of things that sometimes happen. Yeah, that's why we have two passports, so you can you can travel with one, and the other one you can be at a. And embassy to do a visa. Oh, that's a good way to do it. Because how many events on tour would require a visa? Like when you go to China, you have to have a visa. China, Russia, uh, what? Still Russia. Yeah. Okay. We are, we're you mentioned USA visas. would require something yeah, for you as well. Why was it? Oh, because we have uh, we went to Iran. Yeah, we went to Iran. Oh, I see. So we couldn't get there in without visa anymore. Yeah. So if you didn't get the visa, you could have arrived on your flight and just been stopped and they wouldn't allow you yeah. in would be the situation. Wow. Yeah. So pretty serious stuff if you don't yeah. take care of the paperwork, right? Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, I think we've taken lots of your time. What's next for you guys? You mentioned you're going to Vienna and then anything else you're looking forward to the season? Hopefully see you in Rome. Um, yeah. And what else do you have kind of on the next part of your schedule here? 
European champs. And who's hosting that? Uh, Moscow, Russia. Yep. So that's a big one for us. First European champs. Uh, what else? Moscow four stars, maybe. Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the week after the European champs. It's pretty much the end of the summer is full. Now, tournament after tournament. Vienna, champs, Moscow, Yurmala, Rome. And there's this China and Mexico in, in, in October. October, November, so probably taking on a pretty good role of You mentioned your first European championship. Is that because you have to qualify or you guys have never just had time to go? Or what's the situation there that you've never gone to that one? Yeah, you have to qualify. Okay, and how through World Tour points or how does that happen? Yeah, through World Tour points. It's the same entry list, it's a deadline, and the first 32 teams, or let's say 29 plus wild cards, get in. And Europe is tough. It's after being top uh, 29 teams in Europe. Yeah. So this year we were 27 at the time and we got on. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, Thank I you. guess. So for our, our listeners, again, being a Canadian-based show, basically you take out Canada, US, Brazil, and then you kind of leave a lot of other countries in. And it, the European Championship is supposed to be really top. Yeah. Is there a cap to how many teams a country can send? Or Four. Same Four? as World Tour. Same as World Tour. So it must be a pretty deep tournament. Every match is very meaningful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pools are like everybody there is like top level player, top yeah. level teams. So, and, and Russia is hosting, so sometimes you might get lucky with host country teams, for example, but not yeah. there. You have like six Russian teams, and <laughs> they're all really yeah. good. So. so, the average level could be higher than in the world champs because in the world champs you have like uh, African teams, and yeah, lots of this kind of teams. So, yeah. average level is really good, yeah. yeah. And the Olympics, I think it's the same, Olympics. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's higher, yeah. Good and. Uh, just wondering, in Canada, we don't always have the most sponsors, which is funny that you guys actually have sponsors and some funding. Do you think they're they're attracted to you guys doing well in Europe, or they just like to see you do well on the world tour? Like, what what kind of do you offer your sponsors that they're like willing to support you guys? That maybe you could give a tip to Canada of how we can find some people to support our our Olympic goals as well. <laughs> I think they just like what we do, and and then who we are and how we do it. They want us to do well personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you need to find good people, pretty much, yeah. who, and who, who buy your story. And, and of course, we do as much as we can to uh, offer them some social media and coverage and also have like yearly sponsor day. That's been like really nice to gather all of them and yeah. teach them volley and do some great things together. Yeah. Sometimes some of them... Uh, make some cool projects or stories with us for their own page or summer days, for example, or whatever. So yeah. just have offered these yeah. possibilities. Very cool. Yeah. And they all take you up on it? Or they teach teach people in an office how to play volleyball sometimes? Or? Uh, not too often, luckily. Luckily, <laughs> luckily not too often. <laughs> Good. Uh, how can Canadian fans become fans of yours so they can follow you on Instagram? I believe you guys have your own team website. Is that true where you, you post your own blog stories or? Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. We did it more in the first years. Now we have posted quite rarely. Okay. But still, yeah, there. If, if there are any Estonian uh, speakers, then uh, <laughs> then uh, I think there's some good stuff actually. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole beginning of our story is there. Like, All the beginning. Blog, 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 blog. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, really cool thing. Or Google's very good these days. Maybe it'll translate it too, and everybody can. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, what is your website actually? It's nonvaktiesar.eu. Yeah. But we post more on, on Facebook. Yeah. Great. Well, hopefully we, we the Values family seems to be on board with cheering you guys on. Hopefully we can get a few yeah. other Canadians to follow you. And 
this is such a unique story that I, I hope a, more volleyball fans start to follow you guys and support you because uh, I'm mind blown. I had no idea what we were getting into. I yeah. just thought you guys would have a federation. You have a coach like everybody else. This is <laughs> great. So congratulations <laughs> on your success and for really doing everything on your own, guys. This is this is great. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here and share this story and maybe inspire somebody to go out there and yeah. do it as well. Yeah. It's, it's worth it. It's really, really good fun and really educating, actually. It is. Uh, you learn a lot. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks again and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks again to the Estonian team of Novak and Tisar who joined the show as our first international guests. If this is the first episode of Passing Dimes that you've listened to, be sure to check out previous episodes with superstars TJ Sanders, Randy Wilkerson, Jesse Elser, Eric Madsen, and super best friend of the show, Ben Saxon, to name a few. Please leave a five-star review until Dallas' appeal for a six-star goes through. And as usual, please keep those comments coming. We love hearing from you guys. Thanks to friend of the show, Grant O'Gorman, we have lots more bonus content coming from Edmonton, so be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes. And as usual, check out new episodes every Friday. Thanks, friends, and stay excellent.